Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Get your news in less than three minutes, three times per day with the Al Jazeera News Updates. Just ask your home device to play the news by Al Jazeera or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Employees shall not gossip. Employees who do participate in gossip, whether as speakers or active listeners, may be subject to immediate dismissal. This is especially relevant with sharing sensitive information to individuals outside the organization. Also, under future conduct, after your relationship whether an employee, officer, director, volunteer, or otherwise, with the organization ends, for any reason, you must refrain from making any negative, disparaging, or defamatory comments about the organization and any of its stakeholders. What happens if you break that contract? This agreement will be binding upon the heirs and successors of the employee. According to the WE organization, All of that is normal. WE's chief people officer, Victoria McDonald, says that their employment contracts contain many standard boilerplate clauses, including non-disclosure agreements and non-disparagement provisions, and these are commonly found in most employment agreements in professional environments. Well, normal or not, they make journalism difficult. When people feel that they have an important story to tell about a place where they used to work, but a contract that they signed 10 years ago says that if they do say anything negative anywhere, they could be sued. And if they die, their heirs could be sued. Well, that can make journalism difficult. And that is why the written investigation of the WE movement that we just published by our deputy editor, Jaron Kerr, relies on 22 confidential sources who have worked for WE over the years. But there were two people who went on the record under their own names. And you're going to hear from one of them in a moment. One thing to note, for clarity's sake, when I say WE in today's episode, I'll be referring to any and all entities past and present in the WE network of organizations. So that includes Me to WE, WE Charity, Free the Children. I will just say WE. Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Gregory Sinitian, Dan Perra, Leanne Nicholson-Greenberg, Joshua Smee, Tim Little, Dahlia Elfara, Lee Hardcastle, and Simon Olany. Canada Land broadens my horizons. The Elizabeth May interview on the original incarnation of Commons helped me to forgive political parties while still questioning their value to our democracy. 
and led me to run for the Greens in 2015, which further led me to meeting her at the Ottawa AGM the following year. As a part of my week, Canada Land is like having a few of my favorite high school and university elective teachers to discuss what matters to me wherever I go. These podcasts help me feel connected to Canada while I'm away working for a NATO contractor supporting Operation Resolute Support in Afghanistan. Until Jesse looks too long into the Palantir orb at the same time as Saruman or Rex Murphy and starts shilling for fracking, make mine Canada Land. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp, therapy online that has served over 3 million people around the world. And BetterHelp is available here in Canada. A lot of people have various blocks or reasons why they don't just reach out for that help. And one thing you'll hear people say is they just don't have the time. I would like to mount a different uh, argument here, which is that if you are talking to a mental health professional, if you're if you're chatting with somebody about your life and about your priorities, you can clear away a lot of the clutter. You can actually find yourself with more time because you have a better sense of what's important to you. Like it's an investment that can pay off even in that practical way of, of organizing your life a bit better. These are some of the advantages in, in the long run of having something like BetterHelp in your life. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to the show, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. Once again, it's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by AG1. Listen, taking care of your health is not always easy, but it should at least be simple. That is why for months now, I start every day by drinking AG1. I take a scoop of this green powder. I mix it in a canister with water, shake it up, and I drink it. I get hydrated and I get energized and focused and ready to take on the day knowing that I have vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. These are things that science tells us we need. They are also things that I don't necessarily get every day outside of my AG1. Listen, if there's one product that I'm going to recommend that will help you elevate your health, it's AG1. And that is why I have been partnered up with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try it now and you'll get a free welcome kit that includes a shaker bottle, canister, a metal scoop, along with five free travel packs. You'll get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 along with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash CanadaLand. That is drinkag1.com slash CanadaLand. Check it out. Josh Keenan grew up in the greater Toronto area. Like hundreds of thousands of kids, he first learned about WE when he was still in school in 2007. I started in high school working with the organization. I was there for the first Made a WE day, you know, when it was like Romeo Dallaire and Irsad Mani and Justin Trudeau made an appearance. And it was really cool and powerful to be there and see like, you know, kids wanting to be involved in changing the world and stuff like that. I mean, that's what what brought me in was like this idea of the generation that changes things. Justin Trudeau has done a bunch of wee days. Here he is in 2015, remembering his first time. Thank you, wee day, for this warm welcome. You know, this is my fourth wee day, and I want to start by reminding you of something that each of you deeply know and was something that I said at my very first We Day. We Day is not about you becoming leaders of tomorrow. This is about 
you being leaders today? I ended up going to Kenya actually when I was 17 with Free the Children, doing a teaching program there and building a nursery school. And then when I was in Kenya, we were out in the Maasai Mara and they actually came and stayed a night with us and like hung out. And it was like, I still remember that as like, oh my God, like I'm meeting and talking with Craig Kilberger, who I was like, like a hero to me at that time. Josh had a teacher named Greg Rogers, who had also taught Mark Kielberger. Greg hooked Josh up with a co-op placement, volunteering at WE. I ended up doing a bit of early work with them, not paid. I was just helping around the office. After high school, they hired him. As he recalls, it was a pretty big job for a 19-year-old. This was 2007, where I interviewed and then joined the team as an international youth coordinator was the title. I was in charge of over 200 groups in Ontario. Some were just really small, like, you know, they were just sending in like 100 bucks every couple of months, whatever like that, whatever they could do in their local groups. And then others were like, you know, private schools. I was their point of contact and would go out and do speeches and like help them organize events and things like that. Josh believed in the cause, liked the work, loved his coworkers, but the job was tough. Back then, one of Wee's core values was get the job done, period. The people that worked there were really good people and did want to actually make some positive change in the world and do something good. And Free the Children knew that and would just really take advantage of that. I think the most I worked was like 75 hours in a week. And even that sometimes wasn't like enough kind of things. There was no compensation at all for working more than your allotted time. The idea was, you know, you're working for the cause kind of thing. So it's you you don't see compensation. That was just kind of understood. And, and it was never brought up. I was never given any kind of like talk about what to do if we go beyond that allotted time or whatever it was in terms of any kind of compensation. It was just understood that you do the extra work just to make sure we like function as an organization. In most instances, I would just do it and, and be happy to like be helping out. We would make jokes because at the same time as we were trying to alleviate like child slavery internationally, it, like, not at all to compare us to it, but just in terms of the, like, ridiculous hours sometimes. And, like, you'd be chastised if you had plans and you couldn't stay late that night. It would be brought up in front of people and, and you know, saying, you're not, you're not as committed. Like, you're not, you're not one of the high-profile, like, people that is really, like, trying to make a change in the world kind of stuff. I believe we were getting paid under already what was minimum wage at the time, but they got away with it through salary in terms of even if you just broke it down based on hourly. We would say we were essentially, you know, supplementing child labor over here for to make sure it wasn't happening over there. But here's the thing. According to Josh, it wasn't the hours or the pay that soured him on we. It was this other thing that happened. Certain things started popping up. We had this kind of big meeting at the hotel just down the street from their old office. The whole staff, I believe the board and like other people like high profile funders or like people that were obviously giving a lot of money to the organization, I believe were there too. It's quite a large room and it was filled. This was just as Need a Wee brand had just been launched. And they were talking about us partnering with which was like a clothing line at the time. I had known that was still using child they were using children for their clothing brands and everything like that, which is kind of against what we had come to know as like what this organization was about. 
I didn't like it. It didn't feel right. It didn't sit well with a lot of us, too, just because, again, like, we're the ones out there doing speeches to children about trying to raise and make a difference in the world and things like that. And, like, how do we do that with that kind of crap going on? The clothing line Josh mentioned, the one that he says had used child slavery, by which he means they used child labor, all of its stores closed a few years ago, and we couldn't get in touch with any of the owners to get their side of the story. So we bleeped their name. I put my hand up and asked about, like, are they still using child slavery as, as their way of manufacturing their clothes? And, and Mark Kielberger kind of stepped around it and said that, yes, they are, but essentially that they were promised that in five years' time that they were going to change and, and move away from that. And it just created a very, like, uncomfortable atmosphere. According to Josh, after that happened, after he challenged Mark Kielberger in front of everyone, that's when he says everything changed for him at we it was more like if you weren't with us you were against us and from that day on a lot of the higher-ups someone would ask me out to lunch and say maybe this isn't the place for you maybe you shouldn't be here anymore some people wouldn't talk to me anymore louise kent and russ mcleod were two of the higher-ups too like louise was one of the ones that took me out to lunch and i thought it was just like oh okay like you know I had it, I put forward ideas for projects and things like that. And she essentially just said, this isn't your organization for you. You shouldn't be here kind of thing. And like, you know, when do you want to leave? And I had said, I don't want to leave. I I, I like it here. Um, and her husband was also in the higher up, Russell Cloud. His attitude changed. He'd call me into his office and berate me for stuff. And I was like, it, it was obvious that like I had offended these people or upset them in terms of like gone against them. There's the idea of, again, stepping out of line just by saying something. Josh says he was ostracized at work. His co-workers, the ones he loved, some of them wouldn't talk with him either. As Josh tells it, they may have been scared to. Because a lot of people that worked there were provided free living in around the community in Cabbage Town, they owned a lot of housing in Cabbage Town. So a lot of people would come in from out of Toronto and you know, their their lifestyles would be reliant on the fact of them having, you know, free housing. So they're kind of dependent on free the children. So it kind of cultivated this this very odd atmosphere. And people just became the cliqued off kind of thing. You know, there's the people that were kind of now on the fence of the organization, kind of lost faith in what the the messaging has been. And, and then those that were just kind of you know, loyal no matter what and saw any kind of dissent as, as bad. I don't know, just like anyone that was against them, then they, they wouldn't talk to them. They'd speak ill of them. Josh says he would get berated by management. And he heard other people getting yelled at too, by Mark Kilberger. He was very, very two-faced and very, I don't know, he could be mean out of nowhere, right? He'd go from zero to 100 in terms of kind of chastising the amount of times i've heard like i've been outside his office because for whatever reason there was like areas where we'd be on the computers and his office was there with like the other guy russ mcleod that i was saying and he'd be leaning into somebody hard about something you know whether it's like i, I don't know specifically but you knew when something bad was going on and it happened more often than a lot of us would care to admit to so it all felt kind of like ridiculous where it's like we're putting in all these extra hours like we're we're here and, and committed to the the organization and it just felt kind of it was disheartening where it's like we're getting yelled at and like it didn't feel like you could do anything right sometime not long after that josh was out 
and it got to him. Everything had happened so quick. The ride from inspiration and Kenya and inclusion and camaraderie on a noble cause to being the odd man out, asked to leave. Shunned, he says, by the people he had just worked so closely with. It all began and ended while he was still a teenager. It changed me a lot just because, like, I learned a lot in that time. Like, I was, and I, I was very, I was hurt at the time just because, again, I had spent years trying to, like, work for the organization. Josh left the nonprofit world. Today, he works for a provincial agency. It's been a long time since Josh worked for We. But the fact that Mark Kielberger and Russ McLeod, who is now Me to We's executive director, the fact that they're still running things, well, in Josh's opinion, the organization is not going to be able to truly get past the culture that he remembers with them still in charge. Definitely think there needs to be reform there. Like, Mark needs to go. So what does we say? I offered them an opportunity to come on the show and present their side of things in person. They declined. But they did send us a statement from Josh's old teacher, Greg Rogers, the one who hooked him up with we in the first place. Today, Greg Rogers works for we as their educational partnerships director. He wrote this. As Josh Keenan's former educator, who placed him in his grade 13 co-op and post-work position, I feel a moral obligation to ensure the public record is correct from 12 years ago. Moreover, as a previous high school teacher of both Mark Kielberger and Josh Keenan, and knowing them both well during the time in question, I am uniquely positioned to address this issue. In 2007, when Josh was in grade 13, I arranged his co-op placement at We Charity, which led to a few months of contract work with the organization. Unfortunately, due to performance issues, he was asked to move on. It is highly questionable that after more than 12 years, a former high school co-op student who was part of the WE team for just a handful of months has such specific memories of what would have been very limited, if not zero, interaction with the co-founder. I've placed many co-op students with WE, and we closely monitor hours and work conditions. Based on my professional experience, his description of the work environment and demeanor of the co-founder are highly inaccurate. Greg Rogers goes on to say that Josh Keenan's quotes in the article we posted on our website were incorrect, and that his additional comments, the ones that we included in today's podcast, do not align with facts. Greg Rogers says that Josh Keenan's memory of his work hours and his pay are not aligned with the vetting that I personally conducted, placing co-op students and post-work placements. He also says that Josh Keenan was released due to performance issues after a few months of paid work, 12 years ago, at the age of 19. Responding further about Josh's claims about Mark Kielberger, Greg Rogers says, Mr. Keenan's specific statement regarding the comportment of the co-founder does not align with facts. Specifically, the multi-story office was a former doctor's office with separate rooms, hallways, and closed doors. Would not have allowed sound to travel between the co-founder's office and the location of Mr. Keenan's desk or work area. 
I need to contextualize that a bit. Josh never actually said that he could hear Mark Kilberger yelling from his desk. What he said was that there were computers outside of Mark's office that people would use, and that's where he overheard that happening. Greg Rogers goes on to say that the specific T-shirt that Me to We made in partnership with that clothing company, the one whose name we bleeped, that T-shirt was made in Canada, sweatshop free. Greg Rogers also responds to Josh's claim that he uh, challenged Mark Kielberger at that big meeting. He says that Josh Keenan's director has no recollection of such an issue being raised, and it would have been highly unusual for a recent high school co-op student to separately and so deeply engage the organization's most senior leaders in such a described manner. You'll note that he doesn't deny that this happened, but he says that it would have been highly unusual. So our reporter, Jaron, checked it out, and uh, two former WE employees remember that meeting. Both say that an employee challenged Mark about that partnership with the clothing company, and one remembers that the employee who did so got in shit for it. I also got in touch with Louise Kent, the former WE executive, who Josh says asked him out to lunch and then told him, he was not a good fit for we, and asked him when he would be leaving. She said, I completely disagree with Josh's account. It is important that I give you we's best answers, not just to Josh Keenan's account, but to all of the issues that his story raises. So here goes. Josh was one of several WE employees who told us that when they were there, they worked a lot of unpaid overtime and that there was no system to record this extra work, much less pay for it or provide time in lieu. CanadaLand asked WE if they had ever asked employees to work for hours that they weren't compensated for. They answered that question in the present tense. Non-management employees typically work eight hours a day, Monday to Friday. Any non-management employee working beyond a typical 40-hour work week is eligible for time in lieu. It would be factually incorrect to claim and or imply that we is not complying with jurisdictional labor laws by coercing non-management employees to work overtime. Canada Land also asked we about Josh's claim that he was paid around minimum wage a claim that is supported by contracts and job offers that we've seen from WE at the time. Again, they answer that question in the present tense. Starting salary is $35,000 plus $5,000 in benefits for a total package of $40,000. Starting salaries have been raised by over 18% in the last two years. Pay for employees follows the industry standards within the nonprofit sector for those working in social welfare, international development, global education, and youth services. Now, while those answers are in the present tense, we does give us some insight into the way things used to be, and they acknowledge to some degree that things used to be different. They say that 16-hour workdays used to be the norm in the lead-up to the first We Day events in the late 2000s. Russ McLeod of We says that since then, the organization went through a transformation from a youth-driven grassroots charity to a professional organization, and that there were continued investments and modifications in areas such as transportation and travel accommodations, as well as a greater investment in human resources, management and training, and additional workplace well-being programs. We also pointed to the results of an anonymous employee survey conducted by Tembo Status with 900 respondents. And according to We, Tembo Status found that from 2015 to 2018, Employees reported enhancements in work-life balance, a 2.85 times improvement, and in providing adequate compensation, a 5.33 times improvement. And they also told us that 78% of their employees say they love their job. 
There was some acknowledgement from Wee that as recently as last year, they still had some work to do when it comes to employees' work-life balance. A third-party independent report that they commissioned from LHH Knightsbridge concluded that just last year, the nature of Wee's purpose-driven work still made it challenging for employees to maintain work-life balance, and that management was in fact not directly addressing this issue. What else? In response to the broader issue of whether employees could bring up issues to management without fear of reprisals, Me2We's executive director, Russ McLeod, says that we employees are actively encouraged to voice their thoughts and concerns, and they frequently do raise questions or ideas in a multitude of ways as follows. Staff meetings, open office hours with senior management, drop-in office hours with a co-founder, speaking directly to their manager or human resources team members, as well as through an anonymous staff feedback portal. We also provided reports and surveys of their staff that say there is now plenty of opportunity to provide management with feedback, even when it's negative, anonymously or otherwise. They even have an external third-party company to manage a company-wide anonymous survey. As for Josh's allegation that Mark Kilberger berated and yelled at his young workers, Canada Land asked we about the accounts of 10 different former WE employees who told us that Mark had a notorious temper, three of whom say they were yelled at by Mark directly. WE vigorously rejected those accounts and characterizations. They sent us signed testimonials about the good character of Mark, including one written by Michelle Douglas, the chair of WE Charities Board of Directors. She wrote that Craig and Mark are among the most compassionate people I know. WE consultant... Psychologist David Baum said the brothers are tireless, working harder than anyone else, bringing passion, smartness, and an extraordinary vision to almost every endeavor. I have been most impressed with their central humility. We provided Canada Land with a reference letter for Mark Kielberger, signed by 10 current and former employees, which says that, quote, he has proven again and again to be a dedicated, level-headed leader who treats colleagues of all levels with respect and humility. This is both in times of ordinary daily engagements or in time of high-pressure situations. Any indication otherwise would be incorrect. And they sent this quote by the psychologist I mentioned, David Baum, who was hired by WE to write an independent report. Here's what he says. WE's executive leader's willingness to always learn and do better cannot be understated. They undertake hundreds of hours of personal coaching, leadership training, and working with mentors to try to constantly improve as leaders and people. Psychologist David Baum is one of those mentors. He has been a longtime mentor to both Mark and Craig Kilberger, and he presided over the ceremony at Craig Kilberger's wedding. He says his reports were prepared in an independent and unbiased capacity. Finally, what about the issue that Josh says caused the rift? Wee's partnership with a problematic company. Now, I already told you what they said about that specific partnership, but this is something that we've been asking them about for a long time, and we have more information from them about the labor practices of their corporate partners. Wee has consistently told us that they rigorously vet every partner they work with. They say that almost every large company involved in global sourcing may have or had child labor in some element at some point of time in their supply chain. They say their role is to eliminate the poverty that fuels child labor by generating support for WE Charity and its global development programs. 
We says that it partners with companies that are continuously seeking improvements in their supply chains. They say that they work with partners to deepen their commitment to social responsibility. So there you have it. And that is the last report on we that we have planned. And I'm saying that to you, Canada Land's regular listeners, and I'm saying that to we and its attorneys and to Craig and Mark, if they're listening too. Hi, guys. But I'm not sure if this is the end of a chapter for Canada Land or the beginning of one. A lot of you have been asking about where things stand between Canada Land and we legally. Well, they sent us two notices of libel for our prior reporting on them. Now, sending a libel notice is not the same thing as suing for libel. It's a step that you take before you sue. We notified us months ago of their intention to sue us in Manitoba. Now, WE's headquarters is about 10 minutes away from our studios here in Toronto. But they said Manitoba is the right place for a lawsuit in large part because, quote, the predominant defamatory sting of our first story was delivered in the days leading up to We Day Manitoba. Manitoba also happens to be a province that, unlike Ontario, does not have anti-slap laws, legislation intended to discourage strategic lawsuits against public participation. In any case, they have not filed that suit. That has not happened. Yet. It still could. We could receive a libel notice for the article that we just published. We could receive one for this podcast. And we could then be sued for all of our stories on We, the stuff from last fall included. If we are, I'll tell you about it. There's a lot more to the story than we're including in this podcast. If you're interested, Jaron's article is where you will find it. I'm not going to attempt to summarize everything he found. But I'll tell you this. There is no smoking gun. There's no big scandal. It's not that kind of story. One thing that became really clear to us early on is that we is legit. This was never going to be a story about a crooked charity. Even we's critics told us they don't want to be part of a takedown. They want we to correct course and to change. We says that they have changed and that they want to keep changing. I think our coverage can help with that. I think that some people, when they get questions from Canada Land, or they hear that Canada Land is releasing an investigation, they expect a bombshell. And we will drop bombs when we need to. But there's a lot that journalism can accomplish before we get to cancel culture. We employs a thousand people. It gets government funding. And it has access to lots of kids. We is in over 16,000 public and private schools. Any institution, including Canada Land, needs to be scrutinized by the press. So that's what we've tried to do with WE. This is a story that we could not have done four years ago. We couldn't have dedicated the resources, the amount of time required. As a company, we just did not have the experience at the time to tell such a complicated story so extensively and, I believe, so fairly. Jaron's piece is fair, and it's solid. It's been fact-checked and legally vetted, and then fact-checked and legally vetted again. As far as we are able to determine, every word of it is true, or is truly and accurately what our sources claimed about we, or what we said themselves in response to those claims. 
And if we learn otherwise about any of it, we'll correct it. I'm proud of what Jaron has done. I'm proud to have worked with him on this story and with Jonathan Goldsby and everybody else here who helped. And I'm eager to be done with it. I don't know, maybe you are too. We did this story not because we thought our readers and listeners were dying for it. We did it because it came to us, because we thought it should be told, and because I was pretty sure that if we didn't tell it, nobody else would. It's something that we thought you should know. That is your Canada Land. Did you like it? If you did, then tell a friend or yell into the void with a review on Apple Podcasts. They actually help. You can also email me at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read everything you send. We are on Twitter at CanadaLand. Our website is at canadalandshow.com. CanadaLand is working on an Ask Me Anything episode. So this is your chance to, you know. Do you have a question about a story that you've heard on our shows, any of our shows that you want answered? Is there a story that you would like to hear a quick update about that we've covered in the past? Maybe you have a quick question about how we go about our reporting, how we choose stories, uh, what our favorite office snacks, anything. It's an Ask Me Anything. It's not about us. Maybe it's about you. Do you have a quick question about anything in your life that you would like answered by me or uh, anybody else here for some reason, if that's something that you're interested in? Seriously, ask us anything. We just might answer. That will be on a new episode coming out later this summer. Email your question to jesse at canadalandshow.com. This episode is produced by Jordan Cornish. Our senior producer is Kasia Mihailovich. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton. Syndication is handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. Listen, if you like the fact that we exist and if you think that uh, our ability to put months of work into one news story is a good thing and that we should do that again, uh, the only reason why we're able to do that is because of your support. And you can give us some support at patreon.com slash CanadaLand. Please do.